Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the final week of this series. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for today. Lord, in the word that you're going to speak to us, Lord, I pray that we all leave here uh, encouraged, inspired, motivated. We know that's what time with you does, but God, we also want to leave here even corrected and, uh, and realigned into what you would have for us. We ask that your word does it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I want to encourage you to bust out your phones and your notepads. You're going to get really sick of me saying this this year, but I just know that statistically, if you take notes, uh, you're four times more likely to remember what you heard. And I also just believe that when you take notes, that, that produces ground for God to continue to speak. I know anytime I hear a thought or have a thing and put it in my phone and, and I go back to it, then the Lord begins to speak and add to it and, and, and grow that. So really want to encourage you to be note takers. I mean, you're here and uh, you probably have those devices or materials with you anyway. Let's take some notes and be good stewards of God's word. And I'm honored that you feel like my preaching is so good that you only have to hear it once and your life is forever changed. But statistically, that's not reality. Uh, that's not reality. So let's take some notes and be good stewards of what God is saying. But I want to talk to you today uh, about what to do when your fasting doesn't go like you hoped. You know, we get so excited about these 21 days and, and, and we're fasting and we're praying and we're writing goals. You know, last week we wrote goals and we talked about goal writing and setting a plan. And we have this big vision for what these 21 days might do in our life. And we get excited about these 21 days and, and, and there's momentum to these. And, and then maybe you have found yourself in these 21 days. Maybe your breakthrough hasn't come or maybe you really haven't even found any kind of revelation that you were looking for. Maybe you still feel on the fence and, and you're just kind of like, oh, what's going on with these 21 days? And I know that's actually been my story of this 21 days. It is not what I thought it was going to be. It is not what I felt like the Lord even had planned for my personal life and our, our church life. And so um, with that, I'm just going to kind of share some of my notes, some of my feelings, some of the personal. I actually say this uh, pretty often, but I probably haven't said it in a little bit. My philosophy when I get up here and preach and I get in front of you, uh, I don't view this as the pulpit in the congregation. I actually view this as just one big living room, and all the families come together, and we're just talking about what the Lord is doing. And so that's what today's sermon is going to be, is, uh, is this just come together and say, hey, here's what kind of the Lord has done in my 21 days. And, and part of the reason it's that today is because I had a whole other sermon planned, actually. I had this really great sermon. It would have been the best sermon you ever heard in your life. <laughs> And it was going to lead us into our night of worship. We were going to supposed to have our night of worship tonight, uh, which had to be postponed, some different illnesses and things, so be, be praying for our team. Uh, but, but we had to postpone it, and so I felt some disappointment. I thought, oh, man, Lord, you know, really felt like your direction was, was for us to end this thing with a night of worship, and I had a lot of anticipation for how God was going to move in our night of worship. And so now I found myself on late Friday going, I need a sermon. <laughs> I need a sermon for this weekend. And now, I like writing sermons, and, and I don't want to say sermons come natural to me, but by the way that I collect thoughts and kind of keep them arranged, and uh, I, I really do enjoy, and, and even a last-minute sermon isn't something that, like, intimidates me. However, this weekend, it, it did a little bit. I, I remember telling Doug and, and some of the team, I was like, guys, this is actually on my nerves that I don't have a sermon. This is kind of frustrating me. I really wanted to do that sermon. I really wanted a night of worship, and now I'm annoyed. And so, uh, and so literally the Lord was like, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I had between Friday and now to come up with a sermon, and the Lord was like, no, no, no here's what you're going to do. You're not even going to think about it. You're just going to meet me in your office on Sunday morning. So I'm telling you the truth. I got up 5 o'clock this morning, and then I came up here, and, and, and whatever we got right here is five hours off the press. <laughs> And it didn't go good for a service. A lot of people left while I was doing it, and it, it didn't. Do it. 
But I think it is the Lord's way. It is the Lord's way of me taking kind of what I went through in the 21 days and, and, and some of you too, and, and we're just going to talk about it. So that's what we're going to do for the next several minutes to just kind of talk about this. But that was my story of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I had expectations. It's good to have expectations. That's what the Seek series is about. And I, and I had hopes and I had, oh, if we do, and God's going to move this way and we'll set this. And, the, and some of those things didn't come together. One of them for us was actually with our house. Many of you know, and I'm just going to tell you some stories before we get to the text. But many of you know that we just moved into a new house. And what's unique about that is it was really lined up through the Lord, but also was even sort of prophesied over our life uh, before we were even considering moving. It was, we had some plans in our life of maybe sometime down the road, uh, making a move into a specific place and maybe building or doing something. So we kind of had these plans we talked about, but kind of toward end of summer, I just started to feel different about some of those plans. And so did Jess. And so we're kind of talking, oh, this is weird. It feels like this is kind of shifting in our life and maybe God's got something else for us. And so we just kind of talked about it and kept it in our prayer we have a prophet who's a friend of ours uh, named Ed Lixie, and some of you know him. And yeah. I want you to just know off the top that like a, a, a prophetic person, one, is in Scripture. It is somebody who is still for this day. Can I get an amen? Uh, but it's also not a fortune teller. You know, you don't have prophets in your life to, to go find your fortune, you know. And so uh, time to time, we'll be talking and sharing about ministry. And so that's what was happening. I was talking to Ed and and he said, hey, I just feel like the Lord wants me to share this with you. And was saying that the Lord, you know, you got to remember prophets are weird. And they admit that. They're weird in scripture. They're still weird today. But he said, I feel like the Lord is going to move your kingly home. Your kingly home, basically, meaning like, like my home. I feel like the Lord is moving you kingly. Now, good news for you, all of us, I should say, is he said, and then after the Lord moves your kingly home, he's going to move your priestly home. Come on, let's get out of here. So I'm going to say, okay. But that's for later. Pray into that. Uh, and so, and I said, wow, that's exciting. You know, God's going, so we didn't like rush out and start to look for a house. We still waited on the Lord. And then through some scenarios, we found a home and it was not, not realistic for us to be in this home. But, but, uh, Andy Straub right here, the realtor, the miracle worker, the way maker, <laughs> and we got a lot of great realtors in the church, but, but Andy helped us out in such a tremendous way. And so the Lord moved as well. And, uh, and so we ended up in this new home, but what was really unique prophetically about this I said, nor, so we closed in October and, and, you know, normally you move in like a month after that would have been November, but because of some circumstances, we weren't moving until January. We didn't plan that. That's just how everything went together. But what was crazy about that is I said, Jess, this is kind of cool. We're moving during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Like we're going to be ripe in the season of prayer and fasting and we're going to go into a new environment and it's a prophetic word that God said he has for us. This is going to be like really cool when this happens. This is going to be really great, which by the way, it's actually horrible to move when you can't eat pizza. Those go together. You need pizza on the counter while you're doing this stuff. This is terrible, actually. So anyway, so we're, 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 we're oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to move into this thing. Here's what else is really neat is uh, it was the completion of the eighth year of our church. So you have eight and completion, all things new. And so there's just this really prophetic message that's cool over our lives about moving. Here's what else is crazy. January 12, 2014 is when we planted this church. We planted this house, January 12, 2014. Without any of our planning whatsoever, the first day in our new house was January 12, 2022. So the first day that we're putting our feet down in our new place that the Lord spoke into our lives 
was the anniversary date of also our church. You just see all this stuff. So I'm like, this is going to be amazing. And God is moving. This is great. Except for January 12, 2022, when I woke up in our new place, I was sick as a dog. I was hit. And so I'm like, Lord, what is this? I'm supposed to wake up to angels and celebration and your word. Like, what, what are we doing here? I'm hit. I'm mad. I'm fasting. Don't you know I'm fasting? I'm preaching all this stuff about your breakthrough. You know, this is annoying. This is on my nerves. And then, you know, to be safe and, you know, all the rules and things. Uh, last week, I had to hide from you all. I couldn't be at the front door. And I had to, they put me up in the third floor and locked me in and all that stuff. Because, you know, we're being saved. And so I'm disappointed. Now we're in our Seek series where I get to hear your testimonies and your stories about how you're, you know, breakthrough. And, and I don't get to see any of you. So I'm like, this is annoying. Now I'm annoyed. And so I'm just, I'm frustrated. And then the worship night. Oh, but our worship night's going to be great. It's going to be great. Actually, it's going to be postponed. <laughs> so I'm like, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? These 21 days. And I felt like the Lord really began to reveal to me and correct me. And we're going to look at it. Is really... We got to be careful when we step into these seasons where we don't say, oh, God's only going to do this work in 21 days. God, God, oh, nope, that was the seek season where God does breakthrough in the miraculous. Jesus taught us he didn't do anything unless he sought the Father first. Any sit down or conversation or anything that you time you would have spent with Jesus, he would have said, oh, I don't do anything unless the Father reveals it to me. Any decision, interaction, participation that he was involved in was all father-led. And so we're going to take a look at, yeah, 21 days is amazing, but truly it's a seek 365. And everything we do, seek first what the father might say about it. Now, I want to encourage you, maybe your fasting like mine wasn't really kind of what you thought or what your expectation level was going to be. But the reality is you have no idea what your 21 days produced. We can't see it right now. Uh, scripture says that, that, you know, some plant, some water, some see the harvest. Like we have no idea how all this is going to turn out. So it may not feel like you wanted it to feel, but it could turn out a lot different than what it might look like right now. Can I get amen? So seek 365 maybe as a mindset that we need to have. Yes, we, we seek him first. And with these 21 days, we put him first. But I believe that the Lord can work even beyond. Third John 2, the new King James says this in verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And be in health as your soul prospers. You want to have a great year this year? You want, you want, to, you want to hit the mark with God? You want to see God move? And, God, and Scripture's saying, look, you can prosper in life and you can prosper in your health as your soul is prospering. Amen. Continually seeking God. 21 days is important and it's, and it's holy and it's beautiful and we love that devoted. But it's also being like, hey, do you want to win in life? Be a person who your soul is always prospering with God. Can I get an amen? amen. I wrote it down like this. It will be your best year. If it's your best year spiritually, you want to have your best year, you want to hit the mark, you want to, you want to, you want to go beyond greater than you've ever done. Make sure it's your best year spiritually. You know, we always say, all right, let's, let's write a cat. Let's write our categories of how we're going to, you know, we're going to put God first and family second and career and whatever. And the reality, you don't put God first, you put God first in every single one. It's God first, everything and under it. So you want to have your best year in every category, in your school, education, in your workplace, in your marriage, all that. Then what you do is you put God first in every. You want your best year, you make it your best year spiritually. The hard part about Americans is we do this. We have uphill hopes, but we have downhill habits. We make a resolution that says, oh, this year I really am hoping that I'm going to be able to do this but your habits are still pulling you downhill. 
Uh, our kids went out sledding yesterday in our yard, and my daughter's three. And, you know, there's no snowsuit or boots that make it functional for a three-year-old. They're all the Michelin man, right? She's just, she had a lot of uphill hopes, but she had downhill things pulling her right back down. She had a hard time getting up the hill, and that's a lot of us. Oh, God, I'm really hoping and wishing this, but our habits... Our patterns, our disciplines aren't, aren't connected to seeking and putting God first, and therefore we won't hit that mark. Can I get an amen? amen? Real health is about getting those habits, those disciplines, those discipleships accurate with God. Uh, you guys know I like to buy and sell dirt bikes, uh, buy them low and sell them high and fix them up and turn them around. And I just recently, uh, you know, it's a fun hobby for me. It's something that kind of gives me something to do in the garage, but then it's also supplemental income and uh, get extra money that way. And so I just picked one up and uh, and I was excited about it because I, I got it and I brought it home and it wasn't running right. It wasn't starting very good. And, and so I bought it and brought it home. And uh, one of the things you do first is uh, you take the fuel out of it. You take all that fuel out of it because a lot of times if it has bad gas, it's going to run really inconsistently. And so I drained all the fuel out of it and uh, put some new stuff in and kicked that thing. And it did exactly what it's supposed to do. It started right up and was purring like a baby. And I was just back there sniffing the exhaust, all the stuff you want to do. And I was like, yeah, this is good. It's good. And I went in. I told Jess, I was like, oh, we're going to make some money on this one. I, you know, this is going to be an easy one. And, uh, and then I went back out the next day to try it again. Oh, and then it was running bad again. It's like, no, it wasn't the fuel. Shoot, what's going on? And, um, and so I can get in over my head. There's some engine things that, that, that are past my pay grade. And so I got an engine guy in Coopersville. And so I called him and I said, hey, man, I think you're going to need to take a look at this one. I just I can't get it to start right and consistency. And he said, well, here's the deal. I said, you know, it might be fuel. I don't know. He's doing this thing. He said, listen, it's not a fuel issue. He said, you don't have an issue with fuel. You have an issue with the fuel injector, the injection system. He said it like this. He said, you have a delivery system issue. You don't have a God problem. You have a delivery system problem. I want more of God. I want more of God. Oh, I wish I could experience more of God. There's plenty of God to go around. It's our habits, it's our patterns, it's our structures, it's the way that we are not seeking him first or prioritizing him first or, or going to him first. It's the delivery methods that are broken in our lives. And so 365 says, hey, I, 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 gotta, I gotta make sure these lines are clear and so that I can get what I need. Are you with me? So that's what we're gonna do, 365, is we're gonna create these habits. And, and I hate this word. We're gonna create a lifestyle. How many of you have ever tried to eat good? And you say, oh, I'm going to go on this diet, and I'm going to lose some pounds. But then all the health people say, well, you don't really want to do a diet. You want to do a lifestyle. Amen. No, and, no. I get up here, and I try to talk subtly about these people. But what I mean is like, Andrew, shut up. We, d we don't want a lifestyle of this stupidity. We're sick of it. <laughs> but, but that, but, but. The sad part is, he's right. He's right. We need a lifestyle of these disciplines, of these habits, of this healthy way of eating and, and, and discipline. That's why, that's why we're called disciples. What are they? They're the learners. We're learning. We're constantly going to God, and we're learning what to put in our lives. And so that's what we need this year. We need a lifestyle of it. And so let's take a peek. This is what I just decided to do this morning. Lord said, hey, show, show the church how I sought God first. Jesus gives us tons of examples about how we went to the Father first, went to the Father first. And so that's what we're going to take a look at today. Jesus was the healthiest human to ever walk the earth. 
If John's saying, hey, I want you to be somebody that your soul prospers as everything else in your life prospers, Jesus is somebody who got it right, and so I think he's the perfect one for us to look at. So point number one, if we're looking at the way Jesus lived his life in a healthy way and uh, the way that he sought the Father, is point number one is this, we must seek him first. For to be a people who are 365, that means in every single moment of it, it means when you wake up in the morning, your first thought shouldn't be your notifications, your email inbox, coffee. Look, you can get some coffee and then seek the Lord. That's fine. But we think about all the other things you want to look at first. Your first thing when you get up might need to be, okay, God, what do you got for me? Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm, I'm ready for you. I'm going to seek you first in all ways. Jesus gives us incredible Example, he's in the prime of his ministry. He is knocking it out of the park. His ministry is red hot right now. He's making all the news. And look at how he lived his life. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. Verse 16, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Notice it didn't say the more success he had, the hotter things got for him, the better things went. He didn't, he didn't hustle more, promote himself more, strike while the iron's hot. We got to get it while the getting's good. No, no, no. He said, as good as it's getting and as much as momentum I have and I have all this stuff, I'm still making sure I have a priority to get away to a private place and pray. I'm making sure amidst all of the things that I could be involved in in life, I'm making sure I'm seeking God first. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Many people say, oh, see, spiritual people get up really early in the morning. Now, you late night people, which I'm a late night person, you just counter that right back. And you say, hey, it's dark at 1201. I'm praying before you even are. So... So he got up, and it was dark, and he went and prayed. But check this out. Simon, in verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. You got so much going for you. You're needed. Look at all this opportunity. Jesus, come seize the day. You got to do this. You got a lot of things. He's like, no, 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 no. I know about all that stuff. I know about all the things that I can get involved in. But the most important thing I can be doing is getting away and seeking the Father. 365, putting him first, living a lifestyle beyond the 21 days of prayer fasting where God comes first. I wrote it down like this. You might have a lot of notifications. Get up. You got all these things. You got all these notifications happening in your life. The most important thing you can do is seek and pray. Communication equals relationship. That's a good thing to write down. Communication equals relationship. Prayer is communication with God. So if communication equals relationship, then that means prayer equals relationship with God. Your prayer life is the strength of your relationship with God. The more communication you have with somebody, the healthier your relationship is. I promise you that your best friend, the reason you have such a healthy and good relationship is because you guys communicate the most. Your closest friends, your closest people in your life have the highest form of communication in your life. Why? Because that's what determines a healthy relationship. They say many times marriages that fail, they don't fail because it's not possible because the things aren't able to work. It's because the couples cannot figure out how to have healthy communication. 
when it comes to money and time spent and all the other things that you need to do. The failure really boils down to communication. You don't have a relationship with God if you don't have a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, then you don't have a relationship with God. Well, how do you say that? I go to church and I do this thing. Those are called rituals. It's about relationship. Jesus wants relationship. God wants relationship with us. And relationship comes by way of communication. Can I get an amen? Many of your deepest relationships start in public, but they were built in private. We all get to know each other in public most, most of the time, right? You, you get into a group and you meet somebody or you find something, you get to know. But then where your deep relationship gets formed is in your private times together. It's the same thing with God. It's great that you come into an atmosphere like this and you worship and you hear the word and you get to know about God. But where you get to really form intimate and private relationships are in your communication, your quiet, personal time with God. Can I get an amen? amen. I thought about it like this. How bad of a relationship would it be? Think about this. If Jess would love this, actually. But what if all I did in public, all I did in public, so Jess and I go out in public and I'm so mushy. I'm just holding her hand. I'm just cuddling her. Everybody's my girl. You see, oh, I just love her so much. And every, you know, PDA, back in youth group days, we call it public displays of affection. When you're a youth pastor, you literally had to make rules. Start of the service, like, hey, you know, everyone's allowed three cuss words after that. You're, you know. But no PDA, because the poor worship guy back in the day, the kids up here trying to lead worship, and God of wonders, and all the kids are just making out out there. I'm like, dude, you poor worship leaders. You had it so bad in youth group. But uh, you know it's true. That's why you're laughing. If you're still laughing, it's because you were one of them. So, so you know, PDA, we're, so we're out in public. Oh, we just love each other. Right? Like I carry her to the car. Like, come on, we're going home. I carry her out. So just so much public affection. Look how much I love her. You're the best. You mean everything to me. Oh, you're my whole world. I love you. And then when we get home, she tries to talk to me. And I'm like, what are you doing talking to me? Go upstairs. Get, get out of here. Le- leave me alone. It's Monday. And we do the same thing to God. We come into church. Love you. Oh, God, you're my world. And on Monday, he's like, hey, Josh. You're like, you talk, what? Don't talk to me on a Monday. It's a Monday. Or we actually get it wrong the other way, too. Privately, we're very connected to God. We're praying, and we're studying, and we know God's word, and we got our theology nailed, and we got a perfect answer for everything. And privately, we got it perfectly figured out. But then in public, when it's time to display your love or show your affection for who you're for, maybe in the store, God's calling you to share your good news or reach out to say, oh, never in public would I ever show that I have a relationship with God. It takes both. Are you with me? It takes both. But it all comes down to relationship. It comes down to we got to seek God. And prayer is one of those big communications. Ian Bound says it this way. Public prayers are of little value unless they are founded on or followed up by private praying. Remember in the scripture when Jesus says you stand on the corner and you shout out your prayers? He said you already have your reward. If you just want to say some things to impress people, but if we're somebody who's married to private prayer, relationship, communication with God, and public prayer, now that's powerful. Can I get an amen? You've heard me say this before when it comes to prayer and our connection with God. Uh, I say it this way. I say we need to make an appointment and keep it. We make appointments all the time in the natural world, and we don't cancel them out of respect 
So we keep the dentist, we keep, you know, the chiropractor, we keep all these appointments and we, because they matter and we make sure we keep our word and we keep this appointment. But how many know we're breaking our commitment to God and our appointment with God every day? How much more so should we be keeping our appointment with God? Amen. I wrote it down like this. When we pray regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. That's our desire is that not just for 21 days of prayer and fasting, but for 365 days, we're praying and we're seeking God and irregular things begin to happen on a regular basis. Number two, here's another thing that we see happen in Jesus' life is when we seek him, we seek him to prepare. He prepares us. The scripture says that Jesus got baptized and that heaven looked down on him and said, that's my son who I'm well pleased. I'm so proud of you. And look at this moment. He's got this moment. Then he goes into the wilderness of 40 days of of, of fasting, 40 days of fasting. And and the, the scripture says that the devil's there tempting him and pressuring him. And he's out in a wilderness experience. So he's got all this going against him. But the scripture says that he comes out of there. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. What did that season of seeking God and separating himself from the things of the world, what did it do? It prepared him for the power of God to move in his life. His ministry was launched after the season of seeking God and devoting himself because seeking God prepares us. I'm just here to say that right now in your life, this seeking God and putting him first, and for 365 days you're, you're, you're putting him first, you know that that's preparing you to walk in amazing things. Well, how come God never uses me? I wish God would use me this way and that way. Are you putting yourselves in position where God can prepare you for that? Um, It's like public speaking. It's like really anybody could come up here and, and give a sermon. Anybody could find a way to arrange words and come up here and deliver them. What makes the difference, I know a lot of introverts are like, no, there's no way, never. Like, I'm telling you, that anybody with enough you know, training and help, you could get up and you could do this. But what makes the difference in a sermon is preparation, is going to the Lord and saying, God, okay, here I am. Here's how I, you know, use me. I'll be your vessel. And when you prepare and when you submit and when you seek him, then the anointing gets on it. Are you with me? A uh, mentor says it to me like this. Until you go to God on behalf of people, you should never be allowed to go to people on behalf of God. Meaning, I have no business preaching a sermon to you if I haven't spent time praying for you. So we got to just get in these atmospheres where we're saying, hey, and I would say the same thing to you. You have no business trying to correct somebody with the word if you haven't spent time praying for the lost. You got no business trying to correct your kids with God's word and with things in scripture and things that you know of if you're not spending time praying for your kids. Can I get an amen? And your universities, as you're going to school, if, if you want to be a witness and you want to help bring truth, you don't just bring it with the heavy hammer of God's word and thump people with all the truth. You got to be praying for your students. Are you with me? Be praying for people that you're with in your workplace. Uh, I thought about it like this. Uh, again, I don't have the right to preach to anyone I haven't prayed for first. And that's why our prayer team, every single Sunday morning, before anything happens, our prayer team gathers and we pray for you. And we pray for worship and we pray for the word and we pray for the day and we pray for your kids. Why? Because we understand that spiritually we've got to prepare for God to be able to use us. Can I get an amen? So I believe that, that seek 365, you need to let God prepare you Uh, Which means before you ever go into a meeting, you need to say, God, prepare me for this meeting. Before you're going to bring something up to somebody, you need to say, God, prepare me for what I'm about to say. Before you take that sales call, 
You need to say, God, prepare me for this sales call. Please, before you post on social media, (laughs) ask the Lord, Lord, are you preparing me to say this? Here's a crazy idea. Maybe on your way to church, you should pray and ask God to prepare you to receive something at church. Wouldn't that change some things? Number three, the reason we seek 365 and we continue to seek is because when we seek, it recharges us. We seek God to recharge us. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This scripture is so real in all of our lives. It said they were so busy doing and doing and people were coming and going, coming and going, that they didn't eat and they got tired. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You've got to learn to get away and get some rest. Uh, I thought about my life. There's so many times. Again, we seek God to recharge. There's so many times that I go into prayer discouraged, frustrated, annoyed, angry, sad, bitter, beat up. All these things you walk into prayer. But then you start seeking God and he begins to recharge you. He begins to speak to you and you walk out of that same prayer, built up, energized, motivated with the word. Are you with me? Because that's what seeking God does is it recharges us. Can I get amen? Number four is we seek God to grieve. We seek God to grieve. There's times where you're going through really heavy things because life is hard. And the hour that we live in in America is also hard. There's a lot of things that we see and hear about and and witness that we don't even have time to process. And so we've got to learn to be a people who can tell the truth about how we feel. You know, in Christian church, we say, oh, you got to pretend like you got no problems. How you doing? Too blessed to be stressed. God is good. Amen. But really, you got heavy things you've gone through. You've got pains that are unhealed. Are you with me? Jesus right here, the scripture talks about how John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he's the forerunner to Jesus. He's telling of him. This is somebody who Jesus deeply loved. The scripture said that John the Baptist gets beheaded. Now, it's one thing for someone who you love to maybe get sick and die or or just get old and pass away. But Jesus has to have this idea of, of I'm Jesus. And even though he was all-knowing, he's going through this, oh, he was beheaded. And, and, And without being too gross, also shamed head put on a platter and marched around town. Like, and so Jesus is like processing that this is what someone he loved went through. And the scripture says, well, what did he do? In Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard about what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Solitary, a quiet, a private place. What did he do? He went and grieved. He went and sought the father. And he spent some time saying, hey, I need some help in this area. You know what he didn't do? You've got to get tough. You gotta find your faith and you gotta just you just gotta because that's what the church does. Don't be sad. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't you have an emotion? Are you with me? And I don't like emotions. I'm not one of those. But you get people in your life, you get people in your life that that it's like, hey, we need to help you this. Because guess what? Time doesn't heal all wounds. God does. Oh, I'm just gonna put it all off and time will heal all things. And you need to talk to somebody. We got counselors in this church. My mother-in-law's a counselor. She loves to give you her advice. (laughs) Just kidding. kidding. She knows. That's a joke. That's a joke. And uh, 
and lots of great ministries. Winning at Home is in our town. There's lots of great ministries, but it's important for you to get healthy and get help. Jesus modeled that, hey, I got to get away and I got to go process this. Can I get an amen? amen? Don't push through your pain. Pray through your pain. Get somebody who can sit down and help you spiritually seek God and work through it. Point number four is we seek, 365, we continue to seek to gain wisdom. You know, the Bible says that you can ask God for wisdom. He gives you wisdom. We can seek God for wisdom. Think about this, all-knowing Jesus, all-powerful Jesus. The scripture says before he's about to choose his disciples, he makes a decision to go seek God and get wisdom. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. This is how we would have done it. Oh, I got to choose some disciples. I'm going to have them come over. We'll spend some time together. We'll use the word like, yeah, we're just going to connect. We're going to just connect and I'll make my decision. And oh, you picked your disciples. Yeah, I connected with the guys and I picked some guys that felt right. And we would just make a natural decision based on like earthly things. He said, no, no, no I'm not going to make a decision about this until I've spent the night praying. I wonder how much more successful and how much more heartache we would avoid if we said, hey, before I make a decision on this business deal or this parenting decision or this school decision or this financial decision, I'm going to go spend the night asking God for wisdom. I need wisdom here, God. And so that's one of the ways that we seek him is in wisdom. Uh, Many of us have heard this before, but prayer, seeking God, prayer is our steering wheel, not our spare tire. Prayer needs to be the thing that's guiding us to our destinations. Prayer is moving us this way. Prayer is moving us that way. Going to God, seeking him for wisdom instead of, oh man, this isn't going good. Where's prayer? Get that prayer spare tire. We got to fix this thing. Are you with me? And we always go to everything else first. We call our best friend first. We go online and see if we can get the answer. We get a self-help book. We go to all these other things. And God is saying, no, 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 come to me. Spend the time seeking me for wisdom. Amen? Amen? Another thing we do 365 is we seek him in our petition. Even when your 21 days didn't really go the way that you thought it was going to be, you continue to just press in 365 and you seek him in petition, going to God, praying. Jesus gives this example, Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Again, they're reiterating how much Jesus went out to a place to seek God. And his disciples followed him. One reaching the, one, uh, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. That's one petition you're going to make every day. Every day when you pray and you're seeking him, you're going to seek him in your prayer. You're going to say, God, help me not fall into temptation today. I'm petitioning you. I'm asking you, help me to not fall into temptation today. That's a great thing that you can do on a daily basis. But then it said he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, which I actually like this in scripture because the measuring thing was like, yeah, it was about a stone throw. Well, who's stone throw? Like a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahone? Like who's stone throw? Who's throwing the stone? I need to know. What are we talking about? So a stone throw away, he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. This is the posture of petition. He said, Father, this is what I want. But if not, your will. God, if you could take this cup, if you could do this thing in my life, if you would do this, this is my prayer, this is my petition, but I'm praying your will for my life. Whatever your will is, show me that, reveal that to me. I'm going to walk in that. So we, we petition. We say, I'm seeking you because I'm petitioning. God, here's what's going on in my family. Here's what's going on in my career. Here's what's going on in my school. Here's what's going on in my life. I'm petitioning you of these things. 
but I'm submitted to following your will. Can I get an amen? amen. I'll close with this. I know this last one is a little bit redundant uh, to all the other points, but point six is this. We seek him in relationship or through relationship. We don't seek God or we don't try to hit the mark in ways of religion, religiosity, keeping the rules, checking the boxes. We don't say Jesus models this for us. He models relationship. Uh, Religion says if you do this, 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 and this, you're good. But the problem with that is you're not in relationship with God. You're in relationship with the rules. You're seeking the rules. And, and this is a whole long sermon we could get, get really far into. But there is a temptation in modern Christian church to say the way that I know that I'm good is if I do it the way church does it. If I do it the way religion does it. How many of you have ever said about church or the way you brought up, oh, we've just always done it that way? Not, you're not saying, oh, God's shown me how to do it for my life. When you get breakthrough, when you get revelation, when you get something in whether church or worship or your prayer, you say, wow, oh my gosh, God showed me this. And you go, wow, this is amazing. And you get breakthrough. Isn't it so interesting that some of your most powerful times were relational? Wow, God showed me. Not, oh, religion said. You go, oh, wow. Because this is about religion. This is about relationship. Jesus, again, all these ways that I just explained is Jesus going to the Father communicating in relationship, grievances healed through relationship, 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 not religion. I heard about a guy who's connected to our church. He started the 21 days of prayer and fasting. He brought his family through uh, like discipling. They've been having discussions and, and, and each night they've been talking about um, what the Lord is doing and doing their devotions. Well, he messed up. He messed up the fast. He, he, he broke his fast and he messed up, and, and he's like, oh, you know, I messed it up. But then right away, he got right back on his fast. Religion would have told him success would have been keeping the fast perfect. You did good. You kept your fast. Good for you. You're holy. You're righteous. You did it. You kept your fast perfect. He messed it up, got back on the fast. This is crazy gathered his kids around, he's got teenagers, and his family, had their devotion, and said, hey guys, I messed it up. I'm sorry, but I'm back on. And can I tell you something? That lesson to his family is far greater than any perfect streak of a fast. Are you with me? What God did, his ability to be a man and be honest and be real, that's the relationship God's looking to have with his people. Not, oh, look at me, I kept the rules. Look how shiny it all is. Because here's the problem when it comes to the way that we, we raise our kids is if we say we got to get our speeches right to them, we got to make sure everything's organized and excellent, but we live differently than that, they're not going to catch what you're saying anyway. I say it like this. We wrote it down like this. Uh, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You teach what you know, so we can get out here and say all these things and teach all this stuff. But the reality is you reproduce who you really are. Yeah. 
So that's why we got to get this relationship part right. Your kids are not looking for more religion. They're looking to see your relationship with God be real. Can I get an amen? Uh, I'm reading a book by uh, Corey Russell. He's a pastor uh, of the church Upper Room, many, many of you know. Uh, he just wrote a book called Teach Us to Pray. And he breaks down this scripture, which I'll read to you in a minute. Uh, Luke chapter 11, I'll just read it now. Verse 11 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. But what was happening here was Jesus prayed in such a non-religious way. The disciples said, whoa, Jesus, teach us to pray the way you just prayed. That, that is not how we've been taught. We've been taught stiff and rigid and stuck. And, blah, blah, blah. and when they saw that, they were like, that's what we want. We want real. We want relationship. We want true, passionate prayer. And that's what your kids want. That's what your coworkers want to see. That's what our schools need to see. They need to see people with real relationship with God, not the rules. Can I get an amen? So 365, maybe, you, maybe your fast was hard for you. Maybe you didn't finish your fast. I'm encouraging you to take whatever place you're in, either in the fast or in these next 365, and go to God relationally. Say, I'm just like Jesus, I'm seeking the Father first. Amen. And watch, just like the scripture said, your soul's going to prosper and everything else in your life will prosper. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Let me pray for you, and then i got a couple exciting things for you to take off. God, we love you so much. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. Lord, I ask that you, Lord, I ask that you help us live beyond the idea of just 21 days or, or live beyond a seek series. God, we want to seek a lifestyle. 365, God, pursuing you, putting you first. Lord, whether it be through seasons of grief or seasons of where you're preparing us for what you have for us, God, we we desire that you be number one. Lord, your word says that when we seek you first, everything else will be added unto us. Lord, let us be a people who live in that alignment. In Jesus' name, amen.